Section thirty nine of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter sixty five. London, February twenty eighth, Old Style, seventeen forty nine. Dear boy, I was very much pleased with the account that you gave me of your reception at Berlin, but I was still better pleased with the account which Mr. Hart sent me of your manner of receiving that reception, for he says that you behaved yourself to those crowned heads with all the respect and modesty due to them, but at the same time, without being any more embarrassed than if you had been conversing with your equals. This easy respect is the perfection of good breeding, which nothing but superior good sense, or a long usage of the world, can produce, and as in your case it could not be the latter, it is a pleasing indication to me of the former. You will now in the course of a few months have been rubbed at three of the considerable courts of Europe, Berlin, Dresden, and Vienna so that I hope you will arrive at Turin tolerably smooth and fit for the last polish. There you may get the best, there being no court I know of that forms more well-bred and agreeable people. Remember now that good breeding, genteel carriage, address, and even dress, to a certain degree, are become serious objects, and deserve a part of your attention. The day, if well employed, is long enough for them all. One half of it bestowed upon your studies and your exercises, will finish your mind and your body. The remaining part of it, spent in good company, will form your manners and complete your character. What would I not give to have you read Demosthenes critically in the morning, and understand him better than anybody, and at noon behave yourself better than any person at court, and in the evenings trifle more agreeably than anybody in mixed companies? All this you may compass if you please. You have the means, you have the opportunities. Employ them for God's sake while you may, and make yourself that all-accomplished man that I would wish to have you. It entirely depends upon these two years. They are the decisive ones. I send you here enclosed a letter of recommendation to Monsieur Capello at Venice, which you will deliver him immediately upon your arrival, accompanying it with compliments from me to him and Madame, both of whom you have seen here. He will, I am sure, be both very civil and very useful to you, as he will also be afterward at Rome, where he is appointed to go ambassador. By the way, wherever you are, I would advise you to frequent, as much as you can, the Venetian ministers, who are always better informed of the courts they reside at than any other minister. The strict and regular accounts which they are obliged to give to their own government, making them very diligent and inquisitive. You will stay at Venice as long as the carnival lasts, for though I am impatient to have you at Turin, yet I would wish you to see thoroughly all that is to be seen at so singular a place as Venice, and at so showish a time as the Carnival. You will take also particular care to view all those meetings of the government which strangers are allowed to see, as the Assembly of the Senate, etc., and also to inform yourself of that peculiar and intricate form of government. There are books which give an account of it, among which the best is Amelo de Jose, which I would advise you to read previously, it will not only give you a general notion of that constitution, but also furnish you with materials for proper questions and oral informations upon the place, which are always the best. There are likewise many very valuable remains, in sculpture and paintings, of the best masters, which deserve your attention. I suppose you will be at Vienna as soon as this letter will get thither, and I suppose, too, that I must not direct above one more to you there after which my next shall be directed to you at Venice, the only place where a letter will be likely to find you, till you are at Turin, but you may, and I desire that you will write to me, 
from the several places in your way, from whence the post goes. I will send you some other letters for Venice, to Vienna, or to your banker at Venice, to whom you will, upon your arrival there, send for them, for I will take care to have you so recommended from place to place, that you shall not run through them, as most of your countrymen do, without the advantage of seeing and knowing what best deserves to be seen and known, I mean the men and manners. God bless you, and make you answer my wishes. I will say my hopes. Adieu. Letter 66 Dear boy, I direct this letter to your banker at Venice, the surest place for you to meet with it, though I suppose that it will be there some time before you, for as your intermediate stay anywhere else will be short, and as the post from hence, in this season of easterly winds, is uncertain, I direct no more letters to Vienna, where I hope both you and Mr. Hart will have received the two letters which I sent you respectively, with a letter of recommendation to Monsieur Capello at Venice, which was enclosed in mine to you. I will suppose, too, that the inland post on your side of the water has not done you justice, for I received but one single letter from you, and one from Mr. Hart, during your whole stay at Berlin, from whence I hoped for, and expected, very particular accounts. I persuade myself that the time you stay at Venice will be properly employed, in seeing all that is to be seen in that extraordinary place, and in conversing with people who can inform you, not of the rarity shows of the town, but of the constitution of the government, for which purpose I send you the enclosed letters of recommendation from Sir James Gray, the King's resident at Venice, who is now in England. These, with mine to Monsieur Capello, will carry you, if you will go, into all the best company at Venice. But the important point, and the important place, is Turin, for there I propose your staying a considerable time, to pursue your studies, learn your exercises, and form your manners. I own, I am not without my anxiety for the consequence of your stay there, which must be either very good or very bad. To you it will be entirely a new scene. Wherever you have hitherto been, you have conversed chiefly with people wiser and discreeter than yourself, and have been equally out of the way of bad advice or good advice. But in the academy at Turin you will probably meet with both, considering the variety of young fellows about your own age, among whom it is to be expected that some will be dissipated and idle, others vicious and profligate. I will believe, till the contrary appears, that you have sagacity enough to distinguish the good from the bad characters, both sense and virtue enough to shun the latter, and connect yourself with the former. But, however, for greater security, and for your sake alone, I must acquaint you that I have sent positive orders to Mr. Hart to carry you off, instantly, to a place which I have named to him, upon the very first symptom which he shall discover in you, of drinking, gaming, idleness, or disobedience to his orders, so that, whether Mr. Hart informs me or not of the particulars, I shall be able to judge of your conduct in general by the time of your stay in Turin. If it is short, I shall know why, and I promise you that you shall soon find that I do. But if Mr. Hart lets you continue there, as long as I propose that you should, I shall then be convinced that you make the proper use of your time, which is the only thing I have to ask of you. One year is the most that I propose you should stay at Turin, and that year, if you employ it well, perfects you. One year more of your late application, with Mr. Hart, will complete your classical studies. You will be likewise master of your exercises in that time, and will have formed yourself so well at that court, as to be fit to appear advantageously at any other. These will be the happy effects of your year's stay at Turin, if you behave and apply yourself there as you have done at Leipzig. 
but if either ill-advice or ill-example affect and seduce you, you are ruined forever. I look upon that year as your decisive year of probation. Go through it well, and you will be all accomplished, and fixed in my tenderest affection forever. But should the contagion of vice of idleness lay hold of you there, your character, your fortune, my hopes, and consequently my favour are all blasted, and you are undone. The more I love you now, from the good opinion I have of you, the greater will be my indignation if I should have reason to change it. Hitherto you have had every possible proof of my affection, because you have deserved it. But when you cease to deserve it, you may expect every possible mark of my resentment. To leave nothing doubtful upon this important point, I will tell you fairly, beforehand, by what rule I shall judge of your conduct, by Mr. Hart's accounts. He will not, I am sure, nay, I will say more, he cannot be in the wrong with regard to you. He can have no other view but your good, and you will, I am sure, allow that he must be a better judge of it than you can possibly be at your age. While he is satisfied, I shall be so too, but whenever he is dissatisfied with you, I shall be much more so. If he complains, you must be guilty. I shall not have the least regard for anything that you may allege in your own defence. I will now tell you what I expect and insist upon from you at Turin. First, that you pursue your classical and other studies every morning with Mr. Hart, as long and in whatever manner Mr. Hart shall be pleased to require. Secondly, that you learn uninterruptedly your exercises of riding, dancing, and fencing. Thirdly, that you make yourself master of the Italian language. And lastly, that you pass your evenings in the best company. I also require a strict conformity to the hours and rules of the Academy. If you will but finish your year in this manner at Turin, I have nothing further to ask of you, and I will give you everything that you can ask of me. You shall after that be entirely your own master. I shall think you safe, shall lay aside all authority over you, and friendship shall be our mutual and only tie. Weigh this, I beg of you, deliberately in your own mind, and consider whether the application and the degree of restraint which I require, but for one year more, will not be amply repaid by all the advantages and the perfect liberty which you will receive at the end of it. Your own good sense will, I am sure, not allow you to hesitate one moment in your choice. God bless you. Adieu. P.S. Sir James Gray's letters not being yet sent to me, as I thought they would, I shall enclose them in my next, which I believe will get to Venice as soon as you. End of section 39. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.